Oh, I love that sound every week, Julio. It means some college football is about to be talked about for a solid hour. Welcome to Rush the Field. I'm Jay Binkley with producer extraordinary, extraordinaire Julio Sanchez, who's been with me each and every Rush the Field. Time to get into tonight. We're kind of to the uh, mean potatoes of college football season. Championship weekend is upon us. That's right. We got the Pac-12 championship tomorrow, which is a joke, by the way. I don't know if you heard about this, Julio, but they had a lot of games canceled in the Pac-12, right? Washington was supposed to play in it. Well, they didn't have enough people to play Oregon this week. They were supposed to play them. And they were battling for first place, but by default, it was going to be Washington going. They can't go because of COVID, so now Oregon in the championship game at 3-2. and two. They're in the championship game. I digress. We get the uh, SEC title this game. Big 10, I'll go over all that stuff in a minute in my top five games of the weekend, but a lot of fun tonight. We'll talk to Nick Bromberg from Yahoo Sports, obviously, with K-State and KU Dunn. We'll be talking to John Kurtz or Alex Gold this week about KU and K-State, respectively. But Coach Gary Pinkle, because the Missouri Tigers are still playing football. And not only that, they said they'd play in their bowl game. Get this, Kansas State, they, they finished the season five straight losses. I mean, this is a weird year. They were without a lot of players. I get that. Coach Kleiman deserves a, deserves a free pass on this one. But... K-State has paused all football activities uh, because of COVID-19 test results and won't be in a bowl game. But they're not alone. The first ones we saw opt out of the bowl game because we saw opting out of the season, Boston College, Pitt, Stanford, Louisville, Virginia, Virginia Tech, all have opted out, and they're not alone. They better hurry, though, because December 20th, this coming Sunday, 11 a.m., the selection show for bowl games. So don't get the other team's hopes up. Find somebody else. I'm telling you, there could be a way where Kansas ends up in a bowl game, Julio. I know you're laughing, and they probably would never do it. They did win a game. But there's no restrictions on six wins for a bowl game this year. But anyway, the opt-outs are crazy in college football, so can't bring my man Kurtz on to talk about Kansas State's bowl game. I wanted to, but this has been a weird year. Missouri uh, did not parlay that win this past weekend. As a matter of fact, it was a rough game for Missouri that's still projected to go to a bowl game. But it was Georgia all over the Tigers. Georgia, by the way, I was there. It was the first ever SEC game when Missouri joined the SEC. Georgia shuts out Missouri in the second half and outscores the Tigers 28 to nothing in the final two quarters to blow this one open and win it 49 to 14. Georgia was tough. Three touchdown passes by JT Daniels. He's a transfer from USC. This is what happens now. Everybody's in the transfer portal and they move. And you really need a Street and Smith or a Phil Steele guide at the beginning of the year to see who's on what college football team. I told you, Julio, I went out in June with my hopes up and got my college football preview magazines. I know there is this thing called the Internet where I could watch it or look at it on the Internet. But I like the hard copy. I'm still old school when it comes to football magazines. And I was a little depressed when it looked like college football season was going to be canceled. But then it's like, okay, well, I can use some of my chapters, but not all. But then all of a sudden, 128 of the 130 teams ended up playing some form of football. This week, Missouri State or or Missouri will take on Mississippi State. Mike Leach, the Pirate, 230 on 98.1, our sister station, KBZ. You can listen to the Missouri game. Missouri's 2-1 lifetime against Mississippi State. Only time they played in the SEC, Mississippi State won the game 31-13 in Columbia back in 2015. There's good news for the Missouri Tigers. Nick Bolton, who I think is the most fantastic linebacker in college football, he was the one that was uh, subject to the targeting in the Arkansas game, which was a total and complete joke if you watched the replay. And I don't know what the replay officials were watching, but 
He's named to the Butkus Award finalist. Nick Bolden, Zayvon Collins from Tulsa, Devin Lloyd of Utah, Jeremiah uh, Owen Kermoa from Notre Dame, Monty Rice from Georgia. And, of course, KU's football season's done, so there's no room really to talk about that. But it was signing day. Signing day's currently going on. It started yesterday. It's done mostly by fax machine, even though some schools, I think you can use email at some point. Ohio State does still use the fax machine. They used to have a fax machine cam on things, but, well, they don't anymore. But for Missouri, it was heavy on defensive linemen and defensive backs. Coach Drinkwitz really building up that Missouri defense. Here's the recruiting rankings uh, that came out. The early signing period is the first time it was 2017. 79% of the players all signed on the early one. They didn't wait till the last one. And then 18 and 19, it was 81%, 82% of all players signed on the open signing for the first signing period, which is the 16th through the 19th. Well, Rivals has Missouri as 20. Top 20 recruiting class. Pretty good for Coach Drinkwitz. 100%. KU, 47. Kansas State, 50. According to Rivals, KU beats them by three. But, of course, we know these things are all out the window because K-State, they build their players. They're just like Missouri. They take these two and three stars and make them four stars by the time. 247 Sports, run by CBS, and I kind of like that website a lot. MU, 26. Kansas State, 51. Kansas, 55. Overall, Missouri signed 22 commits. Kansas State up to 17 because of the uh, signing period before. And there's going to be another signing period February 3rd. That's the second signing period. KU at 21 football commits. As I said, the college football playoff selection show is this Sunday at 11 a.m. You'll find out who's going to what bowl game. Uh, there's been various projections about who's going to which bowl game. But Missouri and Coach Drinkwood said they will play in a bowl game. They find it valuable for the program to be in it. I'll talk to Nick Bromberg of Yahoo Sports. We'll talk about the college football playoffs, possibly about Missouri, and where is he hurrying that they could go bowling. I've seen him maybe in the Outback Bowl against Iowa. Again, there's 33 bowl games now. There used to be 40. Some of these bowl games are opting out. So not only the team's opting out, some of the bowl games are opting out at this point too, Julio. So not a good situation there. But the latest from Brett McMurphy is he's got Mizzou. And the Citrus Bowl, January 1st, Big Ten versus the SEC. He, he changes this thing all the time, but he's got Northwestern versus Missouri now. Looks like Iowa versus Missouri, but it's Northwestern versus Missouri at this point. Of course, that's the only local school going bowling at this time. Uh, Washington deal mentioned that in the Pac-12 and what's going on. Uh, there's several coaching opening, openings in college football. Good ones, too. Gus Melzahn out at Auburn. Good job. Kevin Sumlin out at Arizona. Remember old Kevin Sumlin, old Johnny Manziel's coach at Texas A&M. Man, there's a lot of people failing without Johnny Manziel. Remember David Beatty? He was the wide receiver coaching uh, recruiting coordinator at A&M. I've seen people ride the coattails of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Obviously, I've seen it with Johnny Manziel as well. Illinois jobs open. Lovey Smith out there. Vanderbilt uh, did name a coach. Notre Dame defensive coordinator Clark Lee is the new coach there. And Butch Jones, the used to, well, he's the one that recruited Eric Fisher to Central Michigan. Then he was at Tennessee. He's been hired by Arkansas State. Blake Anderson left Arkansas State and went to Utah State. We following all this? You following all this? Final segment, I'll give you my Heisman Trophy award ceremony at this point because they will be doing it January 5th. 
but it'll be via Zoom this year. But my top five games of the week can go like this, Julio. I'm not putting the Pac-12 title game in the top five because Pac-12 made me mad. I mean, they're just picking teams to throw them in the championship. You can't do that. Number five, Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns. They beat Iowa State this year, and Iowa State's in the Big Big 12 title game. Versus Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers. They're 13th in the country, undefeated. Sun Belt Championship, 11 a.m. on ESPN or ESPN2. They haven't decided yet what they're going to do. It Number four, Northwestern versus Ohio State. Ohio State's played five games, and there was some shade being thrown at Ohio State today because Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner of the Big 12, said, hey, Iowa State's won six games in a row. That's more That's just more than Ohio State has played the whole season. So you had that shade. Dan Mullen was even throwing a little bit of shade at Ohio State. Number three, Alabama versus Florida. Dan Mullen, head coach of Florida, says they're going to win the SEC title game. I don't know if you want to throw any bulletin board material Alabama's way. Nobody's come close to the Crimson Tide, but Florida's got nothing to lose after dropping that heartbreaker to LSU. 7 o'clock on CBS, the only night game of the championship game. Keep in mind, there's NFL games as well. NFL Network, a doubleheader on uh, on Saturday. It's going to be a nice football day. Number two, Oklahoma. It's climbed its way up to 11th in the country. After early losses to Kansas State and Iowa State, they've regrouped. They've rebounded. They'll play uh, number seven, Iowa State. They're seventh in the college football playoff rankings, by the way. Iowa State is the highest-ranked Big 12. They're seventh in the playoffs. Texas A&M sitting on the way out. It's Alabama. Uh, one, it's it's Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio State. And my top game of the weekend, and I don't even think this is arguable, the rematch. We all like rematches. Clemson against Notre Dame. Number three versus number two in the college football playoffs. ACC title game from Charlotte, 3 o'clock. Now, Notre Dame, win or lose, if it's a close loss, still in the playoffs, in my opinion, because they did beat Clemson earlier this year. Trevor Lawrence is 33-1 as a starter. He had COVID, did not play the first time they faced Notre Dame, which is a big difference because Trevor Lawrence is going to be the first pick in the NFL draft, and that was a big difference. But I love a good rematch, and Notre Dame's playing some good football this year, and they're fun to watch. Ian Book, which I may or may not have in my Heisman Top 5. We'll have to wait till the end of the show for that. But coming up next, I mentioned Nick Bromberg from Yahoo Sports. This is a great job on NASCAR and college football. We talk to Nick next. You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio. And welcome back to Rush the Field. I'm Jay Binkley. Gary Pinkle, the all-time winner in Missouri, joins me as usual at 8.30. But now it's time to talk college football with the guy that I really enjoy talking college football with. He's at Yahoo Sports. He covers NASCAR as well. We've talked a little bit of that as well. But college football, also Yahoo Sports CFB on Twitter if you're looking for him. But his Twitter handle, at Nick Bromberg. Good evening, Nick. What's happening? I am honored to be on in front of Gary Pinkle. Well, you know what? I like having you on because the local schools aren't playing except for Missouri. So we have to look at a national scope, Nick. And and I can't wait to talk some uh, pure football with you. And we'll talk college football playoffs in just a second. But Missouri's recruiting class, top 20 on rivals, number 26 on 247. Pretty impressive for Coach Eli Drinkwitz and what is 
a very unusual recruiting year with guys transferring states just to play football, not having the film on some of these guys, not being able to watch them in person, and not able to go sit in their living rooms. You know, it, it is. It's, it's, a, it's a remarkable year. and I, you know, this is, The thing about recruiting is everybody wants to talk about, every coach wants to talk about how he made his classes. You're never going to say, I have a coach say, hey, you know, my class stinks, which would have done better. No. But, but this, is, this is one of the few <laughs> times I really do think when you go by the recruiting metrics, that Eli Drinkwitz did a really good job because this is Missouri. Rivals has been doing the top 150 or top 100 team rankings since 2002. This is the first time Missouri has been in the top 20 in the Rivals rankings. And I, I'm not a guy who thinks the recruiting rankings are the end-all, be-all, but they give you a really good idea of where a program is because, as you and I both know, the teams that are at the top of the recruiting rankings nearly every year are the ones that are winning 10 games and are in contention for the college football playoff. I mean, someone had a stat earlier this week that the teams in the top six of the rivals' rankings are the only six teams in the playoff era to win a college football playoff game. That's not a coincidence. Mm. It is not a coincidence at all. And so for Mizzou to sign more four-stars than they had in the previous three years combined, I mean, this is an absolute gem of a recruiting class. And we've seen what Eli can do in a short season so far. No, I think Missouri fans really do have to be excited about the future. No question about it. He's done a great job. Went heavy on the defensive line. Doing heavy in the in St. Louis uh, to recruit. So just try to keep some of those those kids in state. Looks like the, even though they're despite the record, it looks like they're going to have a pretty favorable bowl game with all these teams opting out and not playing in bowl games. And it is unusual because you're not going to have the usual couple weeks down to enjoy the city or whatever. It's going to be kind of go in and go out for the football game, but. Looks like Missouri, who's committed to playing a bowl game, getting up a pretty good one. Yeah, absolutely. And this Missouri is, is really benefiting this year from the top having of the SEC because I think there's a very plausible scenario that you're going to see uh, four SEC teams in at-large bowl, uh, at New Year's Six games. Alabama, obviously, in the playoff with a win over Florida. And I think the rankings are looking, especially if Florida keeps it close against the Crimson Tide, but the rankings are looking good enough for A&M to head to the Orange Bowl, and then Florida and Georgia both to get out large spots in the New Year's Six games. So that, that's a trickle-down effect that really helps Missouri, because Missouri bumps up, because right now Missouri and Auburn are the only two teams at or above 500 in the SEC outside of those New Year's Six teams. So right now we have I have Missouri projecting the Outback Bowl. I, I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that this Tigers team is going to play somewhere in Florida on January 1st or January 2nd. The exact location in the state of Florida and dates probably still to be determined. We'll find out on Sunday. But just simply, as long as Missouri beats Mississippi State, which I think they will, Missouri beats Mississippi State, even though how thin they are right now, Mississippi State's very thin too. The Tigers will be 6-4 and and going to a very good bowl game. No question. Looking forward to that. This championship weekend, of course, we have a couple games in the NFL as well. It's really a really good football weekend, to be quite honest with you. It's a good weekend not to do anything but grab your favorite holiday beer and sit around and enjoy yourself. I'm not wild about the Pac-12 title game tomorrow, Nick, even though I will watch it because that's what I do. But Oregon, I guess the rightful, they're 3-2, and two, but Washington had their game canceled against Oregon last week. Uh, by default, Oregon's in there because they didn't have a chance to beat Washington. So I guess it's only fair that they're facing 5-0 and USC. You know, we are. We could go on for an hour about how much of a mess the Pac-12 has been over the last few weeks. Um, the perfect encapsulation of the Pac-12 here is, is that Colorado, since its equipment truck to a location in Utah that was halfway between Boulder and Los Angeles this week, 
had it there sitting and waiting in <laughs> case they needed to come back to Bolton to play a football game <laughs> or needed to head to Los Angeles in case USC had a COVID-19 outbreak and was unable to play the Pac-12 title game. This is where we are in the Pac-12 because Colorado was supposed to play Oregon. The original schedule called to Colorado to play Oregon. Washington backs out on Monday. Oregon gets the spot. I would have been perfectly happy, quite frankly, with Colorado and USC playing each other because Colorado and USC at one point, until Colorado lost to Utah, they were both undefeated. They lost that game because of USC's COVID-19 chances. So, you know, they didn't play each other. They have the two best records in the conference. This is a year to get crazy. I wouldn't have been too unhappy to see Colorado and USC fight for the right to play in the Fiesta Bowl for the Pac-12. No question. I think there's actually some intriguing matchups when it comes to the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the SEC. Northwestern sitting there with just one loss facing Ohio State. Listen, Nick, Ohio State's taking some lumps today. You had Dan Mullen with what he was saying, and you know people aren't wild about Ohio State just playing five games this season. Even Bob Bowlesby said, Iowa State's won six in a row. That's more than Ohio State has even played. So Northwestern, Ohio State, obviously the Big Ten bent their own rules to allow them in the title game because they understand this is their cash cow if they get to the playoffs. Absolutely, you know, and I think I think they ultimately did make the right decision because you know this is a, if this is a rule that has been in place for thirty years, then I think the consternation over it is really is is value is you know appropriate. But this is a rule that they put in place when they were trying to figure everything out before the beginning of the season. Two of Ohio State's three games ultimately were canceled, not for their own COVID nineteen cases. They only had one case. And I think it's also worth pointing out too that Ohio State is going to end up the only team in the Big Ten that only had one game canceled to its own COVID-19 issues. Every single other team that had a COVID-19 outbreak and was forced to miss games missed at least two football games. So what Ohio State did against Illinois, I think a lot of people were kind of like, what are you doing? That ended up working out really well for the Buckeyes because they only missed that one game, were able to come back against Michigan State. And, you know, this is, this is the playoff play, you know. I mean, this is an Ohio State team that's favored by 20, and I think that they cover – I think this is a game where Northwestern doesn't have that often – to keep up with Ohio State. So, this is, so Ohio State jumps out to maybe a 21-3 lead earlier in the first half. This becomes like it was in that first year of the playoff with Cardell Jones at quarterback. Ohio State's going to pile up the points to impress the playoff. Oklahoma's pulling in Oklahoma, being strong down the stretch. They're five-and-a-half-point favorites over Iowa State, a team that beat them earlier this season. But Oklahoma's been playing good football ever since that Iowa State game, and so is Iowa State. I'm actually intrigued by the Big 12 title game. Uh, this weekend. Yeah, I am too. You know, I've, I've gone back and forth. I originally thought that Oklahoma was going to be the team that comes out of this, and I, I'm, I'm convinced about Iowa State. I may not be as convinced as the committee is in putting the number six, because there's a lot of questions I have with the, with the way that they're ranking teams this year. Um, but I do think Iowa State is, is going to be the team that wins this game. I know Ronnie Perkins is talking about the revenge tour and everything, but I, you know, I do like Iowa State. I do like the fun factor of it being the first Big 12 title. I mean, it's a Absolutely well-rounded football team. I think if they can do what they did in Ames earlier this season, keep the ball out of Spencer Rattler's hands, force a mistake, or maybe even two, Iowa State should be in good shape. Because if you look at the way their season's gone, as long as Brock Purdy does not throw interceptions, they're in good shape. Nick, this is a weekend to fire up your multiple TVs, let me put it this way. That's my only problem with this, is we have good football on at the same time. And there's other games mixed in with the championship games. Obviously, these championship games typically would have been done the first week of December. One game I really like, and I know it's kind of off the radar of a lot of people, Louisiana and Coastal Carolina. 
you know, Louisiana beat, beat Iowa State this year. That's, that's impressive. And their only loss comes to Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers. 2.30 on ESPN for this one. But looking forward to this game, Nick. I mean, it's I've enjoyed watching Coastal Carolina in the teal turf. You know, Coastal Carolina's offense is the most fun in college football. And it's a shame that this game is on at the same time as the ACC championship game, which I think, you know, it's crazy to think the ACC championship game is, is the biggest game of the season. Oh, yeah, we're getting to that you one. Know, but, the, but, but that's where we are. And so it's a lot of people who don't have those multiple TVs are watching Notre Dame and Clinton, understandably. But if you have a chance to watch the Coastal offense, it's so fun. It's a modern take on the triple option offense. Grayson McCall can throw the football to – they do a lot of fun things. And, you know, this is a Louisiana team that, you're right, They just I think had they beaten Iowa State in week seven and not week one, Louisiana is a top 15 ball club. Iowa State is not number six. Yep, and it was at Iowa State playing. as well. So it's Yeah, you know, end of the story, plain and simple. And there's a reason why Billy Napier was considered for the South Carolina job. Billy Napier is being mentioned for the Auburn job. You know, the winner of this, the winner of this game, especially if Cincinnati loses to Tulsa, I think has an absolutely very fair, very fair um, statement to make by saying that they are the best team outside of the non-power, outside of the power five. Oh, 100%, 100% agree with you. The game of the weekend, as you mentioned, it was my top game. Number three, Clemson to Notre Dame. That's the rankings in the college football playoffs. The only thing that matters. Uh, revenge game. Ian Book is having a fantastic season. I think he should be mentioned in the Heisman conversation at this point. And Trevor Lawrence, 33 and one as a starter who didn't play in the first meeting in South Bend. You know, my my betting tip for people who can who can do so legally um, may want to look at Ian Book and Trevor Lawrence in the Heisman race here because we're in a mm-hmm. situation where both favorites, the two betting favorites right now, pretty pretty much anywhere you look, Mac Jones and Devontae Smith, that typically ends up splitting the vote somehow because you can't have people deciding on who the better Alabama player is. I think Devontae Smith, quite frankly, is the best player, most dominant wide receiver in the country, maybe the best offensive player in the country. No question. Kyle Trask, a lot of people think, you know, especially if Alabama beats Florida and beats Florida convincingly, I think Kyle Trask is out of discussion despite his amazing season until this LSU game last week. That puts it on a platter, I believe, for either Trevor Lawrence or Ian Book to, with a huge game on Saturday, come out with the recency bias fully in effect, take the lead in the Heisman, because we got to remember, voting closes on Monday. The voters have two days after Saturday to cast their ballots for Heisman, even though it's not going to be awarded until January. I have a sneaky suspicion Clemson wins this football game. They win it. That line of ten and a half is like a trap. They win it convincingly enough to make it clear that having Trevor Lawrence is the difference in this game. You have the Alabama split happen. I'm going to go on record. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to end up as the Heisman winner. You could be right, my friend. And here's the funny thing about it. I always like looking at recruiting rankings. Remember, like, Marcus Mariota had only had a few offers. Patrick Mahomes had three offers, and he was a three-star. Mac Jones, three-star. Kyle Trask, three-star. These guys are guys we're talking about for the Heisman Trophy. So, a lot of times they do get it right. Now, Trevor Lawrence was a five-star, and Devontae Smith was a four. So, you know, they, they uh, have lived up to their billing. Alabama and Florida is interesting. Dan Mullen kind of laying it on the line for his team. Disappointing loss against LSU last week. To me, this is one of those games where they have, like, Florida's got no pressure. And that's always a scary team to play, to be honest with you. Alabama's a better football team than Florida. But you always have to be conscious of a team with nothing to lose. 
You do, you do, and you also have to be conscious of Todd Grantham defense going up against these Alabama receivers. I think the worst thing Florida can do right now is blitz Mac Jones like crazy. You're going to leave Devontae Smith, John Mechie, um, Joel Gillings. You're going to leave them one-on-one. You do not want to do that if you are Florida. And, you know, this is an Alabama team. We've been talking about Mac Jones and Devontae Smith. And what did they do against Arkansas last week? They ran for six touchdowns and just absolutely steamrolled Barry Odom's defense. So, you know, Alabama, this was the statement pre-SEC championship. Hey, we can, we can still maul you on the ground, too, because that is the best offensive line in the SEC and maybe the country. I think Alabama really does put it on Florida. I just – the Florida defense has been sketchy all year, and I realize this, especially if Kyle Pitts is out. Kyle Pitts dealing with a nagging injury. That's a game changer. On Saturday against LSU, if there is no Kyle Pitts, it could get really ugly for Florida. Tulsa and Cincinnati will be the AAC championship game. But I want to ask you this, Nick, before I let you go. The college football playoffs, do you believe – well, if Clemson loses the Notre Dame, I don't see how you can make an argument to keep Clemson in. I mean, that would be two losses to Notre Dame, and I get it. One of them was in South Bend without Trevor Lawrence. But losing to a team twice is going to be tough. If, if Notre Dame loses to Clemson, I could still see Notre Dame getting into the college football playoffs – what do you think the top four is going to look like, or is it going to be the same one through four that we have now? I think it's the same four teams, ultimately. Okay. Um, I think what gets tricky is if Clemson beats Notre Dame, and let's just say it's a squeaker, or even if it's, even if it's not a, just not a blowout, Clemson beats Notre Dame, what mental gymnastics does the committee do to adjust the rankings ahead of Sunday? Because Gary Bart has kind of avoided the topic so far, but i got to believe that there's going to be a big hesitancy among the committee that if the four teams are the same, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Ohio State, to not pick Clemson and Notre Dame against each other for a third time. Because at two and three, they are lined up to play each other in a yeah. final. If they're both in there, I, I just think there's going to be some way that the committee figures it out to where we're not going to see a third iteration of that matchup in a semifinal. Well, it's been an interesting year. Um, I think Mike Leach summed it up yesterday in this, or two days ago in his press conference. Uh, he's still the same Mike Leach that we had talking about aliens and marriages when he was at Washington State. So he still get uh, just uh, Mike Leach spitting, uh, spitting whatever he wants out. It's kind of fun to listen to him. But Nick Bromberg, Yahoo Sports, gave him a follow on foot on uh, college football. He's one of the best at Nick Bromberg, Yahoo College Football as well, NASCAR, you name it. He covers it and does an exceptional job. His knowledge of these teams, and he's got like fifteen TVs. Hey, the sports bar is set up and it'll be ready to roll on Saturday, that's for sure. And tomorrow night with three conference champions. I know. I saw I saw this app today. Dana Hughes was showing me this app. It's an app you can get, and when you're in a sports bar or someplace, you can scan the app by the television. You get sound from that game. So if you happen to be in a sports bar and they're playing a different game, sound or music or something like that, you get it on your phone. You get the sound of the game, which I thought was just incredible for sports fans. Yes, Tunity. It's a yes. wonderful app. I, I have used it multiple times in sports sports. It is, it is awesome when, you can find, when you're wanting to watch the random game on a, on a side TV. Awesome stuff. Nick, you're the best, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Merry Christmas to everybody out there. You too. Thank you very much. Uh, it's always fun talking to Nick. But coming up next, I have a lot of fun talking to Coach Gary Pinkle, the all-time wins leader at Missouri and Toledo. And he's up for the College Football Hall of Fame. We talked to Coach about recruiting day and other things Missouri next. You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio.
before Christmas next week, the all-time winning leader at the University of Missouri in football in Toledo. Of course, GaryPinkle.com. Coach, good evening. Good evening. Hey, Coach, I see you have your uh, goal still going out here for December. Things going all right? I know you guys are trying to, to raise some money. It was on your Twitter account the other day. You guys are trying to raise $100,000 in the month of December, and there's a right there. It was on your website yeah. a little bit earlier. Yeah, we did that. It's the GP May Foundation, and uh, people can go to at uh, go to uh, at GP Made, uh, and you can and you can find and you can make a donation if you'd like, and we're at at, at uh, Gary Pinkle. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to get our foundation. You know what? You know we had a remarkably successful golf tournament, even though we had to adjust and do a lot of different sure. things, and we moved to three months later. But we also missed out on about four or five events that we would have normally had that we couldn't do it. So um, anyway, anybody would, would want to be a part of that. We're, we're helping we're helping kids and in many different ways, and um, and we certainly appreciate that. Well, I know Missouri people are very generous uh, with their donations. Hopefully that uh, they sure are. Hopefully they sure they'll are. get that message and uh, and help you out there. But make sure you you help out the coach. He's trying to raise money uh, for kids. Coach, a rough one against Georgia this past weekend. It's not going to derail the University of Missouri for a bowl game. Teams are opting out. Missouri says they opt in. They will go to the bowl game, but uh, one of these weird scheduling courts that's on the Mississippi State and Mike Leach, I suppose. Yeah, how about that one? So, yeah, well, we first of all, we struggled a little bit last year, and, and Georgia's a really good team. I are top ten football team, so yeah. that kind of sets the bar of kind of where we want to get to. I think two things happen to you after you have a big, big last-second win like we did, what a great win it was, um, you know, against Arkansas. But uh, you know you you, you got to watch yourself because you know you got a big a big game coming up. You just had this incredible game, and now can you bring your best again back to back? And that's hard to do. And I don't think we played necessarily our best. I think they really tried to do that. You mature, you become better at doing that. Um, at the end of the day, we lost a real good football team, and now now you know Mississippi State and. Um, they got a pretty uh, their their head football coach is a friend of mine, and a little bit different type of guy. <laughs> oh, I love Coach Leach, man. It, <laughs> go ahead. No, I was going to say, Coach. He's always interesting. I, I played something about two minutes from Coach Leach last night. I didn't realize you guys were friends, but uh, he was talking about what a year weird year this year is. He goes, he shows up to practice. He's not sure who's going to be there. Contact tracing. He just went on and on. He basically summed up what twenty twenty is. He called it a joyless seat, the most joyless season ever. <laughs> yeah, his, his, but his his offensive play calling is about as crazy as he is sometimes, and I say that very respectfully <laughs> to him. I know he, he's a, he's an offensive guru. He's there doing all kinds of things offensively. I know they've lost a lot of players in and out, like kind of like we have, like everybody has. Uh, but that's a big win for us. Yeah. Um, excuse me, a big game for us. Hopefully, we can get a win there. Cause that 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 would that would. Uh, get the winning season going in and we get a better bowl bid if we win this game. So, um, remember I used to talk all the time about those that win in November will be remembered. Well, this November is a long November because of all the stuff that yes. happened. But what that means is when generally in a normal year is when you get to November 1st, you generally got three or four games left. And, and boy, that's going to really determine the whole season. You know, you are what you are at that point, but maybe you have to win a couple games get two wins out of it to go to be bowl eligible. Maybe you, you're going to be able to compete for a championship. Maybe you can, I mean, there's so many things that could come out of this. And so that's kind of what they want to finish. They just want to finish with this game and, and hopefully um, they can play, we can play our best and come, come back with a uh, victory. 
Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun for sure. One of the things I really enjoy having you on, Coach, is not only for your insight on the Missouri Tigers, but I have questions as well, just about college football. You and I talk a lot about the the different things of college football. Well, yesterday began the signing day period, the 16th to the 19th. Of course, the second one yeah. is in February. They've done this since 2017, and we saw, I think, the first year was like 79% of players signed. The last two years, it's been 81 82%. I haven't seen it uh, this year with the percentages. We won't know that until February. Um, were you, do you like the way this is set up? Do you like the early signing period? It seems like most kids decide to do that. Well, you, they, you know, basketball would tell you as soon as you did it, you know, that's just going to ha- it's going to become the signing date. I bet it's over ninety percent of the players this year did yep. it. Um, I I think for the coaching business, it's very difficult because you, you have very little time it is with your family and friends, and this made it kind of year round recruiting. You don't stop, and I think that's that's probably the most difficult thing. I, I you know, so you know, I I would have designed it a little bit different. I'd done with you know, obviously nobody asked and everybody wanted to do it the way that they did and um you know we'll 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 see how you know it all roll out i think we had a pretty good class you know you never know um you know you, you evaluate classes not really when you get them you evaluate them when they leave and find out how good that class was and so uh you know we've recruited well here um i think eli has and uh hopefully um do well i've always thought said about this through recruiting it's not not having a you know, you have to have some great players to win. That isn't usually what gets a program. What gets a program is if you sign 20 kids and 10 or 11 of them can't play well enough to compete for a championship in the SEC, then you're going to be struggling. So recruiting mistakes, mistakes, the numbers add up, really are detrimental to programs. That's a significant part of why coaches get fired and such. So the recruiting is so hugely important. But the other part that's hugely important is that what we did was we, we call it player development, strength, speed, quickness, mouth, toughness, leadership, uh, you know, being a great teammate, all those things, develop those things, and make a guy stronger, faster, quicker. Uh, we did that, and we were very successful. And, 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 and so there's two components there, making good decisions recruiting, and then the other one, you know, making sure that through your player development program, that you really, you really bring those kids along, and they work hard so that they can they can compete for championships in the SEC. Good stuff, hey coach. I wanted to ask you this. One of the things I, I like to do because I know that stars really didn't matter to you, but I always do it for fun. I like to look and see where kids were that are excelling. You know, the really good ones. Mm-hmm. Marcus Mariota won a Heisman Trophy. He was offered by Oregon and Memphis. That was it. Patrick yeah. Mahomes had three offers, coach: right. Texas Tech, Oklahoma State. And Rice, it's always one of my fun, fun things. It's what you turn the player into once they get there. And I know you elevated uh, players a lot down in Missouri. But I have another question for you. It's because I was thinking about the confusion. Because one thing, high school football games were tough to get to. I mean, unless the parent, a lot of them in Kansas City, they let the parents go. Um, it was very difficult to get a ticket. If one of the parents couldn't go, you could go. But for coaches, they like going to these games. Uh, we've seen a lot of transfers from the state of Colorado that were transferring to other places like Iowa and whatnot if they're playing football. We, there was California kids that were transferring to Georgia to play high school football. Anyway, we've seen it a lot. It's got to be a difficult time for recruiting when you have players kind of leaving their situation, maybe not getting the opportunity to play, and then you have your own players that you have that, well, they're going to come back for another year because they all got that free year of eligibility 
or you move it on. Did you lose a recruit because a certain position is still there? This just seems like a really odd time or a hard time to be recruiting. Yeah, I think this particular year is. I think it's really difficult, too, for a lot of seniors, whether or all the sports are, because they're going to do all this for all the sports this whole year, of, you know, and, and being able to, you know, provide scholarships, you know, and, and budgets to be able to handle it. When you're multiplying, you know, you might have 15 more football players on scholarship than you normally do. Than you normally do. And so I think all those things are, I think those are, are, are really, uh, I think they're really difficult. I think it's, uh, it's, it's very, it's very tough time, um, you know, picking and choosing uh, these kids. And you know, the other thing that happens is kids are allowed to leave now. They can go into their athletic director and say, listen, I mm-hmm. want to transfer. And they go into that portal thing. I didn't have that when I was there. Sure. But, boy, you know, people coming and going, leaving down. I mean, i just never seen anything quite like this. And I, I don't – I don't. Uh, I guess I'm old school, probably am. But, you know, the commitment to being a Missouri Tiger isn't, you know, just show up, you know, for a season, let's go, let's go win. Uh, you know, the, the commitment was you come in as a freshman, work hard, and develop, and, and so on and so forth. But there's a lot of things in place now that, that kids can, you know, that they can transfer and move around and – um, you know, I hope at the end of the day it doesn't hurt college football. Look, look at Georgia. Last week, JT Daniels from USC transferred uh, to Georgia um, out, of the exactly, Pac- exactly. out of the Pac-12. It just happened. i got to ask you this. Do you own a fax machine? Do I have a fax machine? Yeah, it seems like, I mean, I, I'm just wondering when they're going to start going to email. Uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't have a fax machine. I don't either. I don't have uh, I don't either. Does anybody even use them anymore besides LOIs? <laughs> I don't think you. I don't think too many people use them anymore. No, I don't. I, 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 don't <laughs> I just knew that they, they used the ESP and all this. They used to have the the fax machine cams at different schools, like the to see your recruits. <laughs> You'd have coaches over there sweating a fax coming through. Not yeah, from... uh, yeah, yeah. Back in the day, yeah. I remember that. I mean, gosh, I mean, you know, you'd be screaming and yelling to the guy committed and in <laughs> and everything else and. Uh, but that's after hard recruiting. That's recruiting kids, you know, maybe since they're in sophomores. But, when, you know, when they get in their junior year, close to their senior year, then you, you have rules, regulations, how much you can see. And they can all have their official visits. And then December 15th or the second Wednesday in every uh, February, excuse me, um, you know, after recruiting for a year or two, uh, then all the kids would sign at that particular time. It's just, just so different now. A lot of the kids, say most of the kids committed to schools didn't even have any visits. They couldn't yeah, do it. Yeah, they weren't yeah. allowed to be on campus. So, you know, there's, there's, it's just, it's just a crazy year. And it's, uh, I just hope they're smart about the rules and what they do. And, and they, you know, they, they help college football and help kids rather than the other. Uh, good stuff, coach. If people want to, to see your foundation, they can go to at GPMade underscore on Twitter, or you can go to uh, Coach Gary Pinkle's Twitter at Gary Pinkle. He's got a link there uh, with the donations he's looking for to help kids. Uh, for this month, he wants to meet his goal. He said there's, there's been certain events they've had to cancel uh, going forward, so I'm sure it would help. And, of course, GaryPinkle.com has got his book there, and it's got his foundation and, and a lot of other stuff. But uh, certainly hope you catch your goal, Coach. Uh, Merry Christmas to you, since we won't get the chance to talk uh, next week. But uh, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Yeah, Merry Christmas uh, to you also, and Merry Christmas to all the folks out there. Uh, you know, it's uh, – Christmas is a great time, you know, for family, and God bless you. 
There you go, Coach Gary Pinkle right there, the soon-to-be Hall of Fame coach, Gary Pinkle. Coming up next. Hey, welcome back to Rush the Field. Thanks to Nick Bromberg and Gary Pinkle for joining the show today. But the Heisman Trophy will be January 5th, and it will be virtual. I usually love doing these things, and I do them way too early. Call them a way too early Heisman list. But it's pretty much narrowed down this year. And instead of five, I have six, because I think that uh, – I think this year is actually debatable. Yeah, I think that, uh, but I'll get to that. But Ian Book, I would put number six at this point outside looking in. Vegas a lot of time has him in the top five, the senior quarterback from Notre Dame. Unbelievable year. 23-82 passing, 15 touchdowns to one pick, but he's got 465 yards on the ground and eight touchdowns beyond that. Ian Book lofts one to the right side into the end zone. Leaping grab just as he crossed the stripe. Javon McKinley. Third touchdown of the afternoon on senior day from 26 yards out. And number four, he's only played uh, five games, but this is one of the favorites coming into the season. Snap to Fields, back to throw for Fields, looking. Now he takes off, started to run, swings it wide to the right, and Fields will take it into the end zone himself for a touchdown run of two yards, giving Ohio State a 6-0 lead. Justin Fields, the junior from Ohio State, 1,407 passing yards, 15 touchdowns, three picks. 239 yards on the ground, five touchdowns, but just five games. Not his fault. He wanted to play. He was one of those people that on the committee did play. This guy here, I have at number four, but he is he is uh, one of those guys that I had early on as one of the favorites for the Heisman. And, well, he's got to have a big game against Alabama. Trash stepping back, looks to throw the ball toward the end zone. I flip-flop him back to number four. I'll tell you why in a second. Richard Sr., 37-17 passing, 40 touchdowns, five picks, 10 games. He's got 40 touchdowns, has at least three TDs in every game, six twice and four five times in nine games. Only had two TDs this past week, though. So every game but this past week, 474 passing yards, though, but had two TDs rushing. So he does get into the end zone. That's Kyle Trask. At number four. And number three, and climbing. And if he won it, I wouldn't be shocked. Reed Bauer on to punt for the Hogs, and it was almost blocked, but he gets it away as Devontae Smith will look at this one. He'll make the grab at the 17. He'll cut it back across midfield. Across the midfield strike. It's a foot race, and I'll always put my money on him. Devontae Smith to the house. Touchdown, Alabama. This guy's unbelievable. He came back for his senior year, the wide receiver, 83 catches. 1,327 yards, 15 touchdowns. Has a touchdown seven of 10 games this year. Had three against LSU. Eight for 231 and a touchdown against LSU to be exact. Leads Nason in yards, second in touchdowns, second in receptions. By the way, 84-yard touchdown there on a punt return. The guy can do it all. And number two, as we're closing out. Lawrence to go shotgun. Second down and nine at the Virginia Tech 17. And he'll keep it himself, come left side. In the numbers at the 10 of the 5, and in the end zone goes Trevor Lawrence. So Lawrence will carry it in from 17 yards out, and Clemson will regain the lead at 9-7. Missed the first Notre Dame game due to COVID, but he has 2,400 yards passing, 20 touchdowns, 3 picks. But he's 33-1 as a starter, and I get it. It's about single season, not the uh, total season altogether. 
And number one, without question, is Mac Jones. I mean, this guy in three-star players since it's signing week, 3,173 yards passing, 27 touchdowns, three picks. Most unbelievable player in college football at Florida this weekend. Thanks to Julio Sanchez. Good night, everybody. You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio.